everyone. Welcome back to another edition of our Southridge member podcast called Finding Our Way. Uh, this week, I'm here with uh, someone we call our inspiration pastor, Jeff Martins. Say hi to everyone, Jeffrey. What is up, Southridge Podcast? That's uh, that's quite the title. And uh, I, uh, I love podcasts, and this is probably the only one I'll ever be on. So I'm a, <laughs> I'm a little excited, you know, and I'm ready to go. Uh, hey, part of this is to let uh, our church members from across all of our locations get to know our leadership a little bit better. So start off just telling us a little bit about yourself, family dynamic, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, grew up kind of within Niagara region, grew up in Vineland, um, sort of been around here uh, whole life, went to, went to school at Brock and that kind of thing. Uh, now our family lives in the north end of St. Catharines. And so uh, generally part of our, our St. Catharines location, although we, we uh, get around once in a while uh, and married to my wife, Lindsay, for just over 12 years now. And uh, we have three kids, our daughter, Haley, who is nine and two boys, Paxton, who is seven, almost eight and Beckham, who's five. So it's a it's a full and fun stage of yeah, life. A couple, a couple of hockey players there. That's right. Um, you would be one of the rare uh, breed around here who literally was born into hmm. this church. Can you give us a little history on your family background from that perspective and just your early memories of growing up in, in our community? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I often consider this a pretty kind of cool gift uh, in my faith life and church life. And now that I get to be part of this and kind of a, a vocational work dynamic, my parents were one of the families that were part of kind of founding what was our, our church, what was before the Southridge era, the Fairview Louth era. In 1980, I think it was, right? Uh, to give my age, I was born in 1984, so kind of born into that Fairview Louth era and into that community, and uh, then kind of raised in early sort of childhood faith days in that context. And what was kind of cool is uh, in my sort of junior youth to youth days, some of those sort of key formative eras of faith would have been actually around the time that we went through, and I know we've talked about this, this on this podcast, the sort of generational transfer of leadership where uh, Jeff and guys like Fowler and, and Mike Krause uh, were getting to lead the church. That would have been as I was kind of in those those youth sort of days. And it was really cool for me to just see how our, our church was, was growing and being a place that I really wanted to stick around and, and be anchored in. And so, uh, yeah, that's kind of was the, the upbringing days um, that had me get excited about continuing to be a part of this community. And uh, originally it wasn't like you just kind of were part of the junior youth and part of the youth. And then all of a sudden it ended up on staff. You would actually, uh, what we call in our language, you actually got a real job at one point. So even talk about that era and shifting from the marketplace into a a vocational ministry uh, position. Yeah. Had a, had a brief stint of the real job. Um, So I mentioned that I went to Brock. I, I studied a business degree at Brock kind of didn't know necessarily what I wanted to do, but thought that would be broad enough and leave some interest open to various things. Um, but obviously not the normal trajectory of sort of ministry and pastor and whatnot, uh, but had done that. And, uh, after kind of an initial job I'd had at university, I, uh, I got uh, a role at Meridian credit union here in Niagara, working at their corporate office and sort of the commercial lending side of things. And frankly, probably felt pretty, uh, settled and enjoying that and feeling like, Hey, decent company, a role I think I'm going to enjoy kind of hopefully set for the next sort of number of decades of career. Um, and then, yeah, it was around that time that 
we were exploring as a church this possible future of becoming a multi-site community, trying to express the life that God's inviting us to across Niagara. And that was something just by way of being still participating with this community and being involved in some different volunteer roles and some leading roles, that kind of thing, I was really excited about. And uh, kind of the short version is in God's doing stuff in our hearts between me and Lindsay as a, as a sort of young family together and stuff that was going around here on around here would have felt like God inspired me in a few ways to feel like there was just something kind of more he was maybe calling me to, um, which after a global leadership summit and some series that we were going through as a church that were pretty hard hitting on my heart uh, in the spring of 2009, one day I had a call from Ben Lockyer to go out for lunch um, which I didn't know what that was about, but partway through would have asked whether I wanted to come on staff in a role that was sort of that time felt was going to be needed to support the, the going of multi-site. Um, given some of my sort of business administrative background, finance experience, coming on to just help with a lot of the logistics of that. And I remember him uh, saying things like, don't know if it's going to be a long-term role or if it's a 12-month month gig, but we'd love for you to to get involved. And that actually became, you can press on that more if you want, but it became my season of, of calling in ministry, even though I'm not sure I was using that word at yeah. that time, um, and uh, would have felt like a pretty significant era of decision for Lindsay and I to say, okay, I'm maybe the decades of the sort of vision we could see at a, in a job like Meridian in the quote unquote real world or real job. Maybe that's not what God has for us. And maybe I should give this a go. So, yeah, yeah I remember uh, I remember conversations with you after Global Leadership Summits. You know, there'd be a few people lingering after mm -hmm. the event and uh, Junior was sitting up in the front and kind of a, hey, how's it going? And hey, maybe we could have a prayer kind of a thing because uh, God was really stirring stuff up in your heart. And then, uh, yeah, that's a cool story. It's the beginning of the end. You were <laughs> you were uh, you were first you were first hired as the site development director mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. to coordinate us going multi-site. And then mm -hmm. that turned into uh, an operations director stint, mm -hmm. basically the role that we're. Uh, in the process of trying to replace with Vicki mm -hmm. Reimer, who we mm -hmm. talked about a few podcasts ago, uh, but then transitioned from that into your current role that we call the inspiration pastor. Mm -hmm. uh, other than just being an inspiring guy, what, what does that actually mean for those of us who don't totally understand that? Yeah, so I definitely wear that title uh, with a sense of intimidation at times that it sounds like you're, you're kind of, and it's interesting talking to people in other churches because most churches don't have titling like that of an inspiration pastor. Um, so they're always, people are intrigued by what that means. I mean, for us uh, in our, we, we've talked a lot around here about the three dimensions of the life of following Jesus that we're seeking to invite people into. And we use the words inspiration, connection, and action to sort of describe those dimensions. Um, for us, inspiration and kind of what I try to, what department I lead and what sort of uh, aspect of faith our team seeks to, to lead and equip in, in our church is this idea of being inspired towards who Jesus is and what he calls us to. And that includes kind of the whole way of life. Um, but also we use that word very intentionally to talk about being inspirited by the very life and power of God that he's made available to us uh, through what Jesus has done and by his spirit. Um, so it's sort of that that two double entendre play on words of being the, the team that inspires our community to what this life is all about and seeks to foster an inspirited way of living in our personal and daily uh, life with God. So 
inspiration pastor. That's, that's what I'm that's trying what to. Inspiration pastor means that's the, the, right. And I appreciate you going down the road of the inspirited, not just the hype mm. version of mm. inspiration, because that that's ultimately what your ministry umbrella really tries to foster is this way of life where we can be experiencing and enjoying the presence and power of God in and among us in an increasingly ongoing way, right? Reclaiming the way God originally designed us when he breathed into us yeah. the breath of his life. That's what we're uh, restoring in this in this aspect of that life of full devotion. Well, and what, what's kind of cool about the word is that in that sort of Genesis dynamic of God breathing into us, that word breath can actually be translated as spirit or sort of in, in, in that inspiration or everything of respiration. It's kind of all the same word of God's life in us and uh, kind of why why we believe that word is a good one for, yeah, for what yeah. we're trying to and do. And that's that's really where that where that phrase came from. Yeah. Um so in fostering that aspect of this life of full devotion as you described, um your ministry area does that primarily through one program. Hmm. One 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 of our primary programs, which is our Sunday services. Can you just give us an overview of everything that's just involved in that department, the different players and how it works, kind of cranking services out Sunday after Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So our team is a team of, uh, what is it, six or seven of us working closely uh, with uh, Mike Krause, our teaching pastor, on sort of message series and content that we're going to actually teach to sort of equip people of what the scriptures say and how that informs our way of life. Um, but then we also worship and creativity and music uh, is, a, is a key part of our services. And we have uh, two worship pastors part of our team, Tom Lowen, who's primarily our worship pastor for our Welland location and been on staff for a long time, uh, and a newer staff member named Justin Bricks, who is our worship pastor in our Vineland location. Um, and they are essentially sort of take the quarterbacking lead, uh, not just on music, but on sort of really directing the teams and everything it takes to pull together the, the service in the auditorium in their locations. And uh, I kind of play a bit more of that hands-on role here. Uh, and then a couple of our other team members are uh, Michael Naundorf, who uh, is our sort of video director and uh, production director, who all things audio, video, the stories we tell, and the dynamics in the service of the technical sort of uh, supports and expertise and teams and equipment that help uh, just facilitate what we do when we gather and sort of bring it all to life. He, he leads all of those ministries. And then uh, Christy Wilms, who is our first impressions director, uh, who leads a massive ministry of, of a couple hundred volunteers across all three locations with really high capacity leaders who help uh, lead those teams within their locations. She leads all of the hospitality uh kind of mostly the stuff that's kind of outside of the auditorium from the parking lot to the door of the auditorium. But it's actually just been in the last year or two that, that Christie's role has really integrated with the Sunday's team, the inspiration team uh, to actually have those things be more in sync where we've had different eras of the, that, that team living in different departments. Uh, Christie really helps bring a sense of hospitality and accessibility to our service planning and facilitate some of the creative logistics and experiences that we we try to do from time to time. Uh, her role is pretty crucial in that. So that's so our, that, that's, that's the, essentially that's the, squad. the crew, the inspiration yeah. team, that's not just right. the inspiration pastor. A few of them are much more inspiring than I am. So I need I need the inspiration team around out. So and uh, along these lines, because I want to drill in uh, in this conversation into something that affects all of us as members, our experience of our Sunday services. Um, 
both as, in your time on staff and before that as a congregant and member in our church growing up in it, I'm sure you've seen and noticed some different eras or shifts in why we even have Sunday services or what goes on in our Sunday services. From your understanding, can you just walk us through some of those major eras and how Sunday mornings around here have changed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um when I think about that, and probably this will have some language that kind of has a sort of broad uh, brushstrokes to, to different eras and whatnot. Like for me, growing up in our context, in the Fairview-Louth context, we probably would have been in a mode kind of in the sort of late 80s, early 90s mode uh, or time frame of what now we would maybe describe as the more traditional kind of a service um, where probably most of the kinds of features or elements throughout were, were pretty consistent every week. And kind of this, the, the ways we have been doing it since the church would have started. I can remember uh, the Martins family gathering around the piano at home to prepare for special music yeah. as a keep that families took turns with special music in each, each service. So some of those kind of things are just kind of the, the, the common ways we had been doing things, but probably there would have been, a point where sort of the, in the next next generation transfer of leadership in our church around the mid to back half of the 90s, where we were feeling like maybe that some of those more traditional ways we were doing things were not always as, as time goes on, uh, as accessible or as maybe, maybe relevant in that sense to folks who didn't grow up in the church or didn't have sort of an automatic inclination to uh, engage with a church community or come on Sundays. And that would have had us, I think, start shifting into that, the second era of the eras, at least I've, I've lived in and been a part of that was kind of becoming more contemporary and that much more uh, culturally relevant, probably in the early days, most sort of epitomized by musical changes Transition from hymns to choruses. That's right. That every church of, pretty much has gone through. Sometimes described by people, authors or bloggers or whatever, as the worship wars of kind of that that sort of contemporary shift. But just kind of realizing that if we can worship to organs, we can also worship to guitars. Yeah. But just kind of a church growing through that that process. And I'd say um, if each of these, at least in our church, those these eras had a, sort of a decade or you know 12 years kind of to it, that had us move into... Um, more cultural relevance era where then as we moved from where we were in the country on ninth street at Fairview Louth, and we, we uh, moved to Glenridge Avenue in our sort of initial location of our St. Catherine's location, as we built a new auditorium and those kind of things. And as we uh, continued to, to grow in capacity and creativity as a church, uh, I think we were able to really fan that flame of, of relevance and a contemporary experience of a church gathering. Um, so that, those are kind of those first two eras as I, that I yeah, kind of traditional and then the contemporization of the service to yeah. be more relevant to people. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'd say now in the last, uh, probably seven, eight years, maybe even we maybe felt this as much of a decade and kind of been trying to live into it over the past number of years. If you we went from just making a service, that maybe wasn't as relevant to our unchurched neighbors to making it more relevant. Um, we can from kind of traditional to contemporary. Now we've been describing it as evolving or growing again into a transformative spiritual encounter. Um, probably most describe the language we've been using recently, sort of we use these metaphors for our gatherings as this practice-based spiritual gymnasium where we work out uh, a healthy lifestyle-based faith. 
and and that's another word that's been key to sort of our team or defining this era as we've grown as a church in believing that this whole expression of our faith or movement uh, when it comes to following Jesus is about a way of life a lifestyle how do our services actually reflect that and equip a way of life not not just uh a relevant and inspiring event, but also a way of life uh, throughout the, the rest of the week. So yeah. that's and, what we're growing into, I would say. And just to camp out on that for a few moments, because I, I hope our members can track with the fact that we are trying to live in a different era than we were in a decade or so ago, specifically because we have felt that the gathering of people of faith is not intended to be something that is just watched. That, 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 I think, was where things started to feel overdone or maybe misapplied in the era where yeah. we were becoming more relevant and contemporizing things through worship and video and multimedia and the arts and things like that. We were getting to the place, and I would hear from many people that, you know, our, our services are good, but they feel like they're a show. No, not meaning we're being showy necessarily, just they feel like they're a show to watch. And I think I know you and I have had this conversation many times in the Marshall McLuhan phrase, the medium is the message. Yeah, I was just thinking right? of that. Yeah. If, the, if the medium is a show to watch, then the message, no matter what content we're prescribing each week, the, the message people are receiving is that faith essentially is something to be watched or more specifically relating to God. Mm-hmm. is something to be watched mm-hmm. in observing other people to do. And so the 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 upgrade or the shift that we've tried to cultivate is to say no, like all of our other primary programs, these programs foster an aspect of a lifestyle. If this aspect of the lifestyle that we foster is the inspirited aspect, the living with God's ongoing presence and power in your life, what does it take in this gathering for us to start fostering that and to train people in how to foster that themselves in the other mm-hmm. 167 or whatever hours during the week when they're not sitting in a, in a Sunday service? And so that spiritual gymnasium is really where, where we're at today that's designed to both exercise yeah. in the services and teach us how to do these exercises yeah. and, and to live out. You can talk a little bit more about the practice-based yep. faith. Uh, during the week. Yeah. And just before maybe diving a little deeper into that, like I, when I think of sort of the early origins of this era that we're we're trying to live into as a, as a church, as it relates to what we do on in our Sunday services, the medium being the message. I remember some of the learning, reading, reflecting, listening, uh, that was affecting me, if not us, uh, in sort of, as we've navigated through a shift like this, uh, was talking about how, um, in environments where we were allowing some of those production kind of elements or just dynamics you referred to, to maybe send a message we're not always intending. Um, they're talking about comparing gatherings to sort of these different experiences of whether it's, if it's kind of like a shopping mall experience of kind of pick what you prefer or go where you prefer, whatever, it actually unintentionally creates consumers. Or if it sort of, they talked about the, uh, the liturgy of the rock concert if it feels too much like a rock concert, it creates fans. Or um, if it has sort of this, like you're at a stadium watching an event, you become more like spectators. And, uh, you know, with this consumers or fans or spectators dynamic was something we thought, we don't want our gatherings to produce that in people. And maybe there's ways we unintentionally do that. And how do we need to kind of rearrange, rethink some things to um, 
to not produce that in people. We want to produce followers, participants, contributors, um, worshipers. Yeah, and, and people, that people stuff, right? who are connecting with God and learning how to connect with God through the yeah. gathering, right? There's a far greater degree of spiritual stimulation that we're trying to cultivate in, yeah, in, this, yeah. in this era these days. And I think it was also kind of in sync with our shift to going multi-site, which was very much a missional-driven dynamic, but again, was a median that is the message of who what we feel like church is meant to be and what we were trying to live out. And, and our Sundays were kind of, I think, following in line with that or, or, or catching up to that maybe at some level too. Yeah, to um, drive and stimulate that way of life that ultimately yeah. is about the 167 other exactly. hours, not just exactly. the hour when we gather. Um, related to that, that... that uh, because I think some people today feel feel this tension then between this previous era where it was really about cultural relevance and making things accessible to the outsider. Now, when we're shifting to something that's more spiritually stimulating, uh, something that's that's cultivating a life with God more directly than something you just watch from a distance, it can be potentially a little more threatening. For an observer or an outsider. So how, how are you navigating that spiritual stimulation with retaining or even growing in our capacity to be accessible to outsiders mm-hmm. or first timers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think at, at some level, and we've probably uh, at times in this exploration of this era done this or in the hard way or whatever, but th- there can be a potentially a greater spiritual intensity maybe to what we're trying to do or we're, we're trying to tap into to a greater degree. And uh, one of our connections and kind of a, who's become a friend, Aaron Nequist, who, who has visited our church before, I remember him talking about this dynamic a little bit of how anytime you're trying to invite something in, someone into something that might be different or unusual or, or you know, something they've never been introduced to before, you got to make sure you name the anxiety that this could be a little bit weird or different. Yeah, this is going to be new. Name that so that at least people know that, you know, you get it like that. You're, you're not, you know, this, yeah. this can be a little bit different or new or whatever, but make sure you explain the why, why would we engage in this? Because I actually believe this could crack open a door to our, our, our hearts connecting with God in a way we may otherwise miss or, or just not see in kind of the, the normal life or pace of life kind of chugging along. Um, so naming the anxiety, explaining the why and the heart is pretty key. And then I think, and I think this is something we've been hopefully doing a little better at, is trying to, anytime you're going to kind of, and this is part of the why, get people into a spiritual practice that they may otherwise not do on their own or might be brand new to them. If you can have a little creativity and tap into some of their real life felt needs or start in a lighthearted place, whether it's with a little bit of humor or a story or something that shows how uh, real life on the ground, everyday stuff that we all deal with, um, can be a starting point for why you'd engage in this practice. Then it's like, okay, maybe I'll, maybe I'll give this a try, right? Maybe I can step into this a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the other thing to, to keep in mind too, that I hope our members can track with is that even though the previous era was driven by this kind of outsider orientation, wanting to make things more relevant and, and contemporize things for people less familiar with church, um, it, it had some hiccups as well. And I think we learned that doing non-spiritual things isn't necessarily the most evangel- evangelistically effective strategy either, because at some point 
it might be easier for a not yet believing person to attend your gathering, but you actually aren't helping them make the leap to becoming a follower of Jesus. You're just making it convenient or more comfortable for them to to sit in the seats. And you still are wrestling with the move to get this person to engage in a faith in Christ, learn to pray, start reading their Bible, and figure out how to connect with God. And so now, at the very least, I feel like from an accessibility or an evangelistic perspective, I feel like we're being a little bit truer to letting people come and check out what it is that Christians actually do. We're a little more transparent and upfront about that. And it's it's a little easier, I'm finding, with my neighbors and, Mm. you know, kids from my kids' schools and things like that, sports families and friends for them to to kind of experience with us what it's like to engage in faith so that they know what it is that they'd actually be getting into instead of just watching yeah. something that talks about what this might look like and then having to make that leap on their own. Yeah. That's that's yeah. what I'm finding is that the, the the orientation to outsiders actually helps you in their spiritual stimulation, not just trying to do something that's spiritually stimulating for faith-based people. Yeah. And similar to how we feel, we've come to sort of the conviction, and this is again part of how it does move our church and explore things like anchor causes and homeless shelters, and then go multi-site with a missional, multi-anchor cause mindset, believing that the world is looking for a church and for Christians that are living out an active life of faith. Um, similarly, I I believe there is a person who maybe even hasn't been a part of faith communities, but would maybe might come with a curiosity who is actually quite attracted to these people are trying to live out something that maybe is a bit challenging or is a bit of a high standard or high calling or high devotion. Um, but knowing that sometimes our greatest sort of roadblock can be hypocrisy of not really living out what we preach. We don't want to just preach it. We want to demonstrate that we're trying to exercise it, to ingrain it, to, you know, um, have it flow into every day, not just Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah, and that that I think segues into a, a second tension that I know is real for you to navigate each week, and that is this tension that we believe around here that church fundamentally is not a place you go, mm. right? Church goers are not who we believe we're called to be. Church is not an hour of the week or defined by a, a, a gathering, particularly on Sundays. So as the leader. Mm of this primary program that gathers people on Sundays, how do you navigate the tension of those convictions that these gatherings matter, but at the end of the day, they, they aren't the thing that matters the most. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, again, I think we are going to always having to be where the, where the church has come in this era of history or whatever, where it, it's so easy for us to talk about it synonymously as this building or this place you go or this time of the week. We say a lot. We, we, we It's not that, and yet can still find people in conversations. We say that or whatever. But we believe the church is a community, um, a, a people, a movement of people committed to following Christ 24-7, all the time. That it's, a, it's a, again, a way of life. Um, and that that community, especially when we look at the early church and what you see in the story of, of a book like Acts in the scriptures that sort of tells the story of the earliest church after, after sort of Jesus came and lived and rose from the dead, um, they gathered together regularly because this movement and this way of life of following Jesus so demanded one another's um, 
support, encouragement, inspiration, teaching, guidance, sharing meals together. Um, you know, we believe the Christian life is not something you can do on your own. It's lived out through the crucible of relationship as we learn to love God and love others better. And so we, we need each other. Um, and we need each other so that we continue to learn and be encouraged and inspired and challenged of how to live it out when we go to work and we look after our kids and we play on sports teams or we have our kids play on sports teams or we are dating or whatever we're doing like in normal life. Um, but the, the gathering together is something that helps sustain our following of Jesus in our real lives because we need each other to help. And so that. you have to have this vision of the gathering as a means to a greater end rather right. than the end itself. And just to, to pull one more thread on that, on that thing, Jeff, um, because I, I, f I find this very impressive in you. Uh, we often talk about how we allocate resources around here and in this lifestyle of full devotion defined uh, in a rough way by these three dimensions, inspiration, connection, and action. We talk about our resource pie, even our finance pie, being you know 50% uh, invested in cultivating the compassion and justice associated with the action dimension. 29% this year in 2019, 29% invested in the connection aspect, which is our life groups and family ministry activity, things like that during the week. Only 21% is actually invested in particularly the primary program that is our weekend services. And so mm -hmm. on, on the one hand, you kind of deal with the short straw mm -hmm. of the lower amount of resources, but but you're okay with that because of the bigger picture of the lifestyle that you see us fostering together. So just talk about that and help us make sense of how you're okay living with the smallest piece of that pie. Yeah. And I, I think it's in medium as being the message. It's a reflection of uh, how God has led our church uh, in the way that he's convicted us as a community and, and as leaders to, to keep growing in this lifestyle orientation and particularly a, uh, not wanting to be the kind of church that if we kind of up and disappeared, the, the community around wouldn't notice. So action and justice and compassion. And when I think about the resources, like, again, our primary program, through which not just our these financial resources, but then the staffing that they support and the time and energy spent, it represents an hour or so a week of the, of the whole sort of way of life and system we're trying to support, you know, maybe with, with some of the things that come out of it, it's kind of even a, a day a week. And in that sense to me is sort of the right sizing of the, um, the kind of money we would put into, uh, this particular program, even though I, it's extremely significant in being a catalyst to the other six days of the week, the other 167 hours of our, of our lives. Um, but I just even think of looking at the life of Jesus and when you see how you see Jesus living, um, he didn't spend most of his time and energy and therefore resources in the teaching and the preaching and the, even though there are those stories and we would understand that Jesus would have been part of his sort of gathering the synagogue in a weekly basis, but he was out living among the people and spending his time and energy and resources uh, in relationship and the conversations that produces and, and the, 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 you know, caring for people, all that kind of stuff, which I think we're just trying to have our church reflect all of that to a greater degree. Yeah. And in, in, in the kind of situation or the kind of church where, you know, 80, 85% of your resources are invested into the full on weekend gathering, all of the, you know, kind of engines firing there. Um, 
at some level, you're saying that that probably isn't representative of the priorities of Jesus, and it certainly isn't representative of the way of life that we're ultimately inviting people into. And so proportionally, this is probably uh, the more reasonable fit. Yeah, and and what's you know what's interesting about that is in a in a church as people are part of our church and invest in our church and even giving to our church, and you may think in a church our, our size, what it, what it might mean at times is there's certain constraints on what we do or could do or can do in our gatherings, um, especially compared to other churches, right? And right. Other churches that we, in town that that they, we they invest a lot more into their Sunday services. Sure, and that's and that's where I think there's 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 in a, not trying to make comparisons or in the beauty of the diversity of the church, but again, what's real to us or where we're at, that's going to be part of someone's experience. That's going to be real to your experience. That um, there's. It's just a, a reality and a constraint that even does our team sometimes I think have dreams, ideas, or possibilities that would supersede twenty one percent of the budget. <laughs> I, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And yet, for me, the beauty of leading and and seeking to be creative is actually working in with what God has entrusted to us, what we believe is a portion that represents our conviction and our heart for leading this particular local church. And uh, knowing we're doing that very intentionally and very on purpose and in the whole medium being the message, we want you to get the whole message, not even just the, hey, I, it's a great Sunday and then I forget about the rest. Well, no, then you're actually missing the boat on what we're about anyway. So yeah. yeah. And, and the flip side of that, because I want to camp out on this as well for a moment, is that that lower kind of financial or lower resource priority that we would place on our Sunday services in the overall kind of picture of the lifestyle that we're fostering doesn't mean that it's not important to mm-hmm. gather regularly. Mm-hmm. So talk about that, because I know one of the shifts, and we haven't talked about this yet, but one of the shifts uh, in the last couple decades is just attendance frequency. Mm. They, they, they would yeah. say statistically that people probably attend, uh, what would the language be, twice as infrequent as they would have 10 or 20 years ago. Yeah, I remember whatever stat we heard a couple of, uh, this is now a few years old, it's probably updated and whatnot, but where attendance among just average people that would identify as part of a church was 3.5 or 3.7 yeah. Sundays a month, almost all of them, is now like a 1.8, a less than half, right? Kind of a kind of a thing. So, I mean, I kind of had mentioned just the, the feeling of, I believe in the Christian life, we need each other. And there's lots of ways we experience one another, but I think we even, we need each other in the gathering that is the the space we create to connect with God and worship him as a broader community and and be taught and be uh, inspired and instructed. We, we need that. And I, th- I was thinking of, it kind of makes me think of uh, something that, that Mike Krause had said, and I think it was a series last year where he was saying, if, if this whole life with God is about seeking to love God with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our soul and all of our strength, and to love others and sort of express that through loving others as much as we love ourselves. And if you knew there was a community that, you know, got together with some frequency, say about once a week on hopefully a time of the week that still in our day and age is hopefully reasonably negotiable or accessible and whatnot. Um, and they were gathering together to seek to express that and grow in that and be inspired in that and see others who are, are expressing that. If that's if that's what you want to be about, why would you not be a part of that? Why would you not kind of kind of be there to uh, participate? So that that would be sort of, and that's again what you see so profoundly as the sort of default response of the early Jesus followers, so moved, so compelled by what they had seen in Jesus and what they had believed and seen through his resurrection, they couldn't help but sort of 
be together, celebrate that, eat a meal, worship, teach. And it talks about daily doing that. Yeah, they gathered in the temple each day uh, in the first century. And so what, what would you say then to the person who feels like the Sunday gathering is skippable or another twist would be the person who, cause I see this trend kind of emerging in church as well. Uh, the person who feels like they can experience this from home online. Mm-hmm. Talk about that a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe first to, to feeling like even our faith life, the, the gathering is a little more optional or skippable. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I'd want to sort of look in the mirror and try to be leading a kind of gathering that feels like it's not worth missing. That, that's certainly our, our heart and something we're always yeah, striving for. We want for. this to be can't miss and you got to check this out. Yeah. yeah. And not because it's spectacle or entertainment value, but because it's, it's the thing that's captivating my heart to keep going on this following Jesus journey. And it's the thing equipping me to do that, which especially as we try to live into the spiritual gymnasium, practice-based sort of engage in addition to teaching and singing, which are most common sort of experiences on Sundays, Going beyond that to, to introduce practices and teach you how to uh, engage with them and hopefully give you some resources to, to do them during, during the week that, again, you're wanting to live out a daily way of life that's, that's being equipped, that you, you want some continuity to that. Or, or it's kind of like going to the gym in whatever three times a week kind of way to just have the accountability, stay on track, be inspired, be shown the ropes, you know, even though you're probably doing some exercises at home that we want Sundays to to be able to produce that in people. And if we can be doing more of that, I think we'll all feel the, I got to be here. I got to be a part of this. I need to, I need to take part. Um, to then the, the growing sort of um, online church experience. Uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've certainly observed some communities that are having a kind of impact kind of well beyond their just locality where people maybe don't have the kind of, sort of love-based gospel message or whatever the, the, you know, in wherever they are that are also trying to, through whatever their online presence, trying to actually do a job of helping people make sure they're living out a life where they are. And yet sometimes I think that the gap still is, um, I think we live in an age where more than information or even inspiration, we actually need incarnation. Because with our phones on the table here, like my phone, I could access, you know, hundreds of thousands of hours of the best teaching, the best worship music, the best inspiration, the best podcast, yeah. even this one. Uh, <laughs> of uh, like, And yet I can't hug that person in the lobby that I haven't seen for a while. I can't, you know, stand beside someone singing a song where either they or maybe me are singing a little bit off tune because maybe that's not, but it, but it, we don't care because it's hearts expressing a gratitude to God. I can't, you know, walk to the front or sit beside somebody recognizing that you know, times like where we take communion, that I can actually dip you know, my, my little piece of the bread in the same juice, recognizing that because of Jesus, this is a, a level playing field. We're all are welcome and we're all here and, you know, we're, we're growing together again, in the medium of the message of I'm not alone, which again, there's, there's facets of that we experience online, even through the social medias and things. Um, but I, I think there's, there's, there's still some gap there. And I feel like, frankly, I feel like we can still grow as a church in what it means to have a, m- that much more of an incarnational experience that you can't even just consume our resources just online. We don't really do the online church thing. And these are some of the, the hearts and reasons why. 
Um, but obviously in a video teaching reality, there's some of those components that can still, oh, you can feel like you can catch up at home. But I believe, and we, we are trying to keep growing into that there's something about actually being present together um, that is very necessary for the church to be a healthy, growing, lifestyle-oriented kind of church. Yeah. Oh, full of love, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we got a couple more minutes, and so I just yeah. want to camp out. I, I know that in driving this primary program of weekend services to foster this inspired and inspirited lifestyle, uh, all of our message series and all of our Sunday mornings in theory matter. But uh, we launched into yesterday and are uh, about to now launch into a, a, a three-week kind of mini series that uh, we're kind of hoping will matter even more or, or disproportionately much that we're going to call ordinary revival. Can, can you just give a bit of an outline for the heart of where this came from and what this is seeking to do in these next few weeks? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think in our lives, in our hearts, in our friendships, in our, you know, workplaces in our whatever relationships with family or roommates or in marriages, whatever, we always need a certain amount of revival of newness, freshness, more of God's activity to take root and happen in our lives. Um, but how that happens or what that looks like or what it takes to enter into that, I think can be a little bit confusing or has been probably demonstrated in the church in all kinds of different ways. And maybe sometimes for some of us, and maybe especially those who might be again, kind of still checking out the church kind of and faith experience. Sometimes it seems like what it takes to experience that revival is a bit out there or a bit, something I might yeah. be a bit apprehensive it's to participate It's elusive in. or it's mysterious or just plain weird. Yeah, 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 right. Like we Christians can sometimes project that they're all yeah. about these weird things. Yeah. And the idea behind ordinary revival is believing that, and this kind of builds off the journey we have had as a church in this ministry season with Jeff Mannion of being faithful in the small things, that um, that revival begins in, and this is this is something we're talking about and, you know, mentioning and whatnot, that when I, when I start taking uh, things that maybe... Uh, aren't yet natural to me, whether it's engaging with scripture or it's carving out a little bit of time to spend with God, or like we've challenged people just yesterday to what if you committed some of that space in your Sunday morning to gather together with a faith community, things that may not otherwise fall to my life naturally, if I actually make them a little more natural, and maybe they're fairly simple things, some prayer, some, again, just confession, confession, fasting, right? Yeah. Some of those things that they're, they're, they're a bit different. They're less, they're not part of my natural sort of treadmill not way my of ordinary life. rhythm. No, but they're not, they don't have to be wacky tobacco kind of crazy. What if I actually make some space for them? Maybe. And if I do it in a long-term committed part of my ordinary everyday life, maybe that's the place where God really starts to enter, really starts to cultivate, really where I start to become more patient. And I don't flip out on my employees like I did a month ago or a year ago or five years ago because it's that kind of like lifestyle level. Well, which is the other you part know. of it, right? Where where things that may not be immediately natural can become more natural so that we can experience this revival, experience more of the supernatural. supernatural yeah. But what you're doing is you're framing the revival activity of the supernatural yeah. differently as well. Yeah. That it's not some stupendous spectacle. It's actually more of the experience, and you used the phrase earlier, incarnation, mm. more of the character of Jesus being incarnated in and through my life. Yeah. I'm becoming more patient. I 
parent differently. I'm a different student at school. I'm a different employee, right? I'm more generous than I used to be. Yeah. Like, you know, those kind of things. And again, that's what you see happening immediately as the Jesus movement takes off, as people gathered together, shared what they had. Like that's, that's revival. That's crazy level different to our, our propensity, our normal propensities. But it actually is kind of simple to look at that. They made sure everybody had enough. They made, they wanted to learn more of what God was saying through the scriptures and people that could, could help illuminate that and teach that because they were so hungry for more of God's activity in their lives. But it was just kind of a, you know, sometimes a slow and steady, live it out in the every single day by just actually exploring and entertaining some of these practices, you know, activities, um, ways of, uh, accessing God as we've talking about and talk, looking forward to in this series for the next three weeks, Ordinary Revival. That, that's what it is all about. And we're seeking to uh, equip people with daily experiences and this journal that we're getting in everyone's hands and really excited for how if we if we just give this a try, believing it can set a trajectory of, of a life of revival for people. Yeah, that we can actually experience more of the supernatural, transformational, literally miraculous mm. activity of God in our lives if We'll engage in these seemingly unnatural behaviors and make them more natural, but also so that if we would clarify what it means for God to work miraculously in our lives and redefine that dynamic as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else that you want to kind of challenge or inspire us in as we wrap things up today? Mm. Um, Probably. Don't skip church. (laughs) That's right. The way I was going to frame that is, yeah, exactly. And like, we need each other. We need all of you listening, certainly as sort of our core, our members. Um, Church is this communal sport and including what it means to gather on Sunday. It's all of our hearts coming together to experience the work of God among us. Like that, that's, I believe that's what it, what it takes. And, uh, you know, and God's not done with us. Like, I think there actually is so much more transformation, so much more revival, so much more inspiration, so much more becoming more patient, more generous, more kind, more loving, more grace-based people, more missional than we've become in the last number of decades. Like if we'll continue to take that next step of, I want to engage in this. I want to make some of that space. I I want uh, this ordinary and extraordinary activity of God in my life to a greater degree. And uh, for anybody who is at all interested in being a part of any of these areas of ministry, like be in touch with us, whether it's musical stuff, creative stuff, technical stuff, um, just even having questions about this. I know we've said from this podcast from the beginning, like make this a two-way conversation. I live for having more of these conversations with people and would be thrilled to engage with anybody who has questions, curiosities, ideas, be, be great. So awesome. Yeah. awesome. And I love the way you're landing the plane on that to say at the end of the day, <laughs> we're excited about this next month because we believe that God's miracle story isn't done. Mm-hmm. In fact, we may just be at the beginning of it and it's going to be exciting to see. So I hope you guys are pumped for this next month, especially this series that we're going to track together in leading up to the ultimate celebration of the Christian calendar, the the celebration of Easter. And uh, Jeff, just thanks for being with us here. Um, your first time on the Fun. podcast. Yeah. Uh, definitely won't be your last. But uh, members, thanks for joining us uh, for another week. We'll see you next week on Finding Our Way. Take care. <laughs>